welcome back to A Different Life Story, the show that previously was called My Steps to Sobriety, but we have just changed our name, so don't be surprised with the new name. It just reflects, really, that this show is so much more than just talk about sobriety. Let's talk about all the things that are challenges in life and how to overcome them, how to do transformations. And my guests on this show are typically wonderful, wonderful people who have been in trouble and have learned from it and have now transformed and, and live different lives. And today I've got a beautiful guest. I've got Charlie Peck here, who is indeed a teen trainer. And Teenagers nowadays, there are so many issues that we can discuss, but there is this beautiful, beautiful challenge in many parents' lives. And typically, you know, everyone was teenagers says, bloody hell, can we just wind forward the time until they're 25 and then their, their frontal lobe comes back. But in between, ah! <laughs> so, so we have got actually a woman who can help us understand those teenagers. Charlie, I'm so glad to have you on my show. Oh, thank you so much. I am so glad to be able to talk about this. There is so much pain and strain around parenting teens. So we definitely have to talk about it. <laughs> Very good. How old are you now? <laughs> oh, boy. So I have a 17-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. Oh, beautiful. So yeah, one is in the middle of it and just probably still, you know, you need to wait another what, year or two. And the others are just working towards it. Yay! <laughs> You're lucky. Calendar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. And today it is today when i say today in 2021 uh teenagers if you actually look at their lives they have got so many challenges themselves it's actually a very 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 brutal time and we look at it in real terms you know yesterday they were just little children playing around and suddenly they are supposed to be a man, but now they're going children again and then they're a man again. And it is weird. That's just the, that's just the girls. Uh, and then, <laughs> <laughs> kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, it is, now you've got all these, these hormonal changes. You've got the body changes. You know, they were very good in catching a ball and suddenly their arm, their hand is another, another 10 centimeters further out. And suddenly what the hell is going on? They're growing so quick. And their brain grows so quick and everything is so quick. So if you actually look at all that, no surprise that every teenager is usually challenged. I mean, mm -hmm. how did you get into, into dealing with teenagers? How did your interest manifest itself? How did you get started in that, in that sub-speciality in that field? Yeah, I mean, I always knew that I was going to work with teenagers. I knew as a teen, I didn't know how because <laughs> I was a mess. But I knew that I needed to grow up and recognize that teens are so important because I felt so undervalued at that point. And so when I went to college or some people call it university, mm -hmm. I still had no idea what I wanted to do. And I did a background in child <laughs> development. I still had no idea. So fast forward several years, even after that, I knew I was going into teaching. I moved to Canada, I'm from the States. And I went into teaching, but I started off in elementary 
And I coached a volleyball team for high school. And then I thought, I need to do everything I can to teach on this level. Uh, so I just always knew that. But then what's wonderful is my curriculum allows me to teach about the teen brain and adolescence. Uh, I, teach, uh, I teach the social sciences and parenting classes. So my curriculum allows me to dive into the research. And then I thought one day when the, well, this was going back 10, 15 years ago, when brain science was really starting to emerge about the teen brain, I thought, why am I not teaching teenagers about this? So I started teaching them about their own brain and their own challenges as an adolescent. And so in the last five years, I've been really thinking we need to extend this to any kind of parent or any kind of caregiver or teacher who works with teenagers mm. so we can all understand it together. Absolutely. And the intriguing thing is we are learning actually so much more. Uh, the problem, of course, is that we are nowadays flooded with so much crap, with misinformation, with social media rubbish. Um, yet uh, there is th there are real voices uh, out there that they know what they're talking about are often drowned out. Uh, so it's so important to have you on this show and actually say, hey, you know, what what are some of the highlights? What what should every parent know? What should every teenager know? I mean, how do you settle that horse? Um, how do you do? You, what's your teaching plan to teach a teenager about teenagers? Well, I, I have adjusted the curriculum quite a bit in the high school classroom and it always goes to learning about yourself then others, and then society. Because we have to learn to understand why and how we're showing up to other people. And so they can't really understand and forgive themselves when they make mistakes if, unless they understand the team brain. And that's why all, the, all I get to teach is about science, but it's all science-based. So that team brain is scientifically based. And once I learned that, I thought, man, they need to know this themselves. And then they learn, have to learn to show up to other people. And who do they have the most conflict with? Their parents, right? Because this stage of adolescence, they're trying so hard to become independent, but yet they need us so much as parents. And it's very conflicting, but their brain is really driving a lot of their behaviors and thought patterns. So we have to understand it. Can you give us an example how the teenage brain is quite unique in that setting? Mm -hmm. So I think everybody knows that that prefrontal cortex, I think that's been driven in our brains in the last five years. I think we understand that's not fully developed in a teenager's brain until the mid-20s. So essentially, a lot of professionals are saying that adolescence is really into the mid-20s. And so if you think back to your own life, oh my goodness, were you able to manage the world at 21, 22 years old? No, no, it, it takes people to their 30s, right? Yeah. So the other piece to this, another fact here is dopamine. Dopamine plays a major role in the lives of teens. And that's the system that gives us the rewards, the feeling of rewards. Well, science is showing us that dopamine is actually in low levels for teens. But once that dopamine is released in their brain, that gives them that feeling of thrill, um, excitement, that they're looking for that risk taking that they do, that's coming from the dopamine centers in the brain. And it's very robust when it does actually release. And so that's why you have a lot of teenagers who are sitting around bored because there's not much that actually excites them. So they're constantly seeking out the thrill. And that's why they're, that's one of the reasons why they have higher risks. I mean, another reason is their sense of belonging. 
They have a dire need to belong. We all do as human beings. We all do. We have to be connected. But teens are seeking that out so much because they're learning about who they are from the messages of others, which is, again, why we have to be so cautious about those mes messages we are sending to them as adults. So true, so true. And I certainly recognize myself in your words. I can certainly reflect back when I was a teenager. And you said it so nice, I was a mess. Yes, yes, hands up, me too. Um, and I guess we all are. Uh, nowadays, I guess we, we so-called grown-ups, uh, maybe actually even admit to ourselves that we were a mess. Uh, previous generations might not even have had that insight. So we are actually, we are all moving on. That's, that's a good news. But I guess it is, we need to remind ourselves because when, it, when you're in the heat of the moment, as a parent, you come home, you've worked all day, you come home, the house is a mess. Your teenager had the afternoon off, you thought, come on, you know, is it so difficult to, to clean up the kitchen? It takes you five minutes to wash up. And, you know, you, you explode. And then, guess what? Your teenager hasn't got the emotional uh, maturity to understand why you're pissed. That you understand why, why you feel angry. So now it, it is, uh, guess what happens? Bing, 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 bing. And out you go. Um, Third World War has started and doors are slammed. Mm -hmm. So we actually need to start with ourselves as grown-ups, as parents, isn't it? We so, do. And I always say that parents have to lead because we are the adult. So if we go back to that whole prefrontal cortex, well, that's the part of our brain that plans, that organizes, mm -hmm. that problem solves well that makes decisions. And so if our teens are still learning to do those skills because of their brain, it doesn't mean we give them a way out. We have to foster that. We have to support that for sure. Um, but we also have to have an understanding. And then that means we have to model it and we have to be patient. That's the hardest thing. for. That's the worst thing for me is patience. I am not a patient person. I claim it. Um, Right. And, and that's okay. But the best thing we can do is be calm and understand that literally these kids need these skills. They need to develop these skills. So I always tell parents, if you haven't taught them the skill and your expectation is that they have that kitchen cleaned, but you haven't taught them. Now, a lot of people say, well, I absolutely have taught them and they're still not doing it. Of course, they're, that's not their priority. Um, but we can't, we've got to be careful with our expectations too. Yeah. And then the other piece to that is the way we communicate with them. So there's explosions quite a bit because if we're not calm, there is no way we can expect our teenager who is working from their limbic system, the, the emotional piece of their brain, that, that it's going to react first, um, then they're not going to be. There's no way. So we have to lead. Not easy. Trust me, not easy, but we have to. <laughs> but that's that's a beautiful thing, though. I mean, that is, if you guys, now assuming for a moment that, that our majority is typically the parents, the, the majority of the listeners here. So it's more the parents that we talk to. There will hopefully be some teenagers who listen in as well. But for you parents out there, it is a, an, a very interesting time. And I think the key thing is really for you guys to to learn about yourselves, to learn about the mindfulness, to learn about the that 
whoa, stop reacting to whatever happens, dear. A classic example, we were, I was with my youngest, we drove up to Auckland, now he's 18, um, so we shared the driving, uh, and we came back and there was this, uh, you know, long straight road, there was a milk tanker, uh, we drove slow, so we, he was driving, he decided to overtake. And he overtook and he cut it quite short. Uh, there were cars coming and I did something that I hate to do, but I said, no, 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 no. And he froze for a moment and then said, fuck it, put the foot down, whoom, went past. And it was exactly the right thing. <laughs> what had occurred there, I got triggered. I knew yeah. it, I was doing exactly the wrong thing because I was, yeah, I, I did something that I shouldn't have done, as simple as that. We needed to get out of that situation, uh, not emotionally, but actually foot down, let's go, or break, move in. But I brought out emotions, and that was utterly the wrong thing to do. So here I am, this was an example where I, afterwards, he said, why did you do that? So he, he, he got upset, emo emotional, immediately triggered. And the only thing I said once I put the mindfulness in, I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So whilst it doesn't matter that he cut it a bit, bit short, so the facts are there, he cut it a bit short with regards to the overtaking, but how we responded to it. Now, mm -hmm. had I not put the mindfulness in, within three sentences, we had the third world war. But because I was saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I should have, I recognize what I've done. I'm very sorry that I interfered there. You were the driver, you made that call. Um, and that completely uh, took the wind out of the sail of this argument. Within, within seconds, we were laughing about it in right. a scenario where we could have very much had a horrendous rest of the drive. So I say that as an example where I stuffed up and where it is so much more important to keep yourself under control, to have this mindfulness, to recognize what your own triggers are. And that's so important because we never triggers, learn that. Yeah, the triggers are huge. And I would even suggest, I mean, how forgiving you need to be of yourself, which I can tell you are. But we do react because we have to make decisions with both our emotions and our cortex and our thinking part of our brain. So we have to make decisions. Both. So sometimes our brain responds like theirs do and like children's do with that fear-based response, right? That amygdala, that threat part of our brain is like, oh my gosh, something's going to go wrong. So there is that, but you did recognize it. And then you could have that conversation with him afterwards. And often our team, many times they feel like they're doing something wrong. And because, and again, science shows this, they misread the facial expressions of adults. It's really interesting. There's a lot of studies on this. Yeah. And ah. so they look at our faces and if we're showing concern or we're inquisitive or um, even if we're confused, they look at it and they their message is they're angry. So what are they going to do? They're going to get defensive. So that's, again, the way they're interpreting our facial expressions. Oh is not always correct. So that right there is a breakdown of communication. So if you don't have the language to maturely talk about that, I mean, come on, they're not even picking up on the right cues. And then we have to worry to be worried about being triggered. Like, what did you, what are you mad at me for? What did I do, right? There's so much to it. There's so much. Which is cool because then, oh, that's an interesting. Now I need to ex extrapolate because I, 
whenever I say to my wife, whenever I make her a compliment, she thinks it's a criticism. Um, and my son is exactly the same thing. So when I say, wow, you know, I didn't think you could pull that off uh, and looked at what a great job you did. He hears, oh, he doesn't think I can pull that off. Yes, and right. You think, well, I, I tried to make you a compliment. So you have to be incredibly careful what you say. And and I, I recognize that now. I make that a teaching session with my boys and say, hey, look, here, you're doing a mummy. Uh, because my wife, she can't take a compliment. She's exactly like that. So you could then talk about prefrontal cortexes and women, but that's a mind field. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> no, there. I'm not going there. Differences, but that's not today's theme. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 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 Cut. 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 <laughs> no, I'm You're kidding. Trouble. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, uh, but the reality is there. Um, it, the communication is one of the biggest, biggest downfalls of all of us, and especially when we are tired, when we are not our best, when we're the triggers, the hungry, the angry, the lonely, the tired, halt. Um, if you score two or three or four of them, and then you have got, you're so on a back foot in dealing with any challenge. And if the challenge is a teenager, your teenager, where you actually love him and where you actually want to have this relationship and you feel suddenly betrayed and suddenly, yeah. you know, you get all these, these weird voices in your own brain coming up uh that is oh so i think dealing with teenagers is hugely dealing with yourself dealing with your own emotions and that's one of the hardest things in life i i i didn't learn that until i was in rehab um, until i had this this crash course uh in 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 my sobriety and nowadays I can see it, but you guys out there, if you haven't had the chance yet to go into rehab or to actually start this journey, however you start it, it is, it might sound strange what, what Charlie and I are talking about, but it's so beautiful. I guess your message, Charlie, of shut up and listen to your teenager, uh, I think, and try to listen and try to understand. Okay, not just keep your mouth shut and, and saying, but I know better. Um, I think that trying to understand is so important. But right, I, and it's, it's tricky too, because you really want the best, like you want the problem to go away. You want to make this happier and, and joyful, right? That's the kind of home that you want. The problem is, is when we try to assume something is going on with them, they hate that. They hate it. Even if you can tell they have made a mood shift you know they did, and you're like, what's wrong? They might hate that. But if you don't ask them what's wrong, they hate that too. I mean, it's so difficult. Sometimes they don't even know what's wrong. Mm -hmm. and, it, and even if they did, they, they still need some skills to communicate mm -hmm. it. So a lot of times when I say the listening part is important, but when we listen as parents, we have to look and listen. It's not just about hearing their words, it's way beyond that. It's looking for their shifts, in affect, or if they say a certain person's name and something's changed, you see a shift in their mood or their their tone, mm -hmm. write that down or make a mental note of that and come back and ask them about that. Because they're sending us messages all the time. They're not really sure what they mean either. So we just have to be cautious. Yeah, that's hard. You Going back to the triggers, 
It's so important, and I've been through this, um, and I will say, I will never call myself a parenting expert. I don't think they exist. And the parenting job, it's a job, it's a job. And so we have to consider, what do we have to do? What, what's in our responsibility there? Well, we have to keep them safe and we have to help them to adulthood without changing the whole course of their life, right? It's a huge responsibility. So if we're not okay, it's gonna be much more challenging for them to be okay. Even though they do need to have resiliency and grit, um, it's important and that's why I love it when parents listen, they try to do this stuff before their kids are even teenagers. But if there's so many pieces to it and they need to understand, you're right, you gotta look within yourself. Some of these things you won't even know until you're raising your teen, then it'll trigger you, but then go do something about that. You gotta manage yourself. I'll be the first person to say, I've done trauma-specific therapy because there were certain things that were coming up. I tried the therapy piece, and then I went back to trauma-specific therapy because there were triggers for my teen, and I can see on your face, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I had to manage that, and I still manage it because we're still in it, right? We are still in it. We are still on this path because every day brings new challenges. And you think you have got it all buttoned down. You know I'm on my level best. And then something really out of the blue happens, like COVID. And suddenly there's a huge stress on you. There's fear of existence. Will my job be there in two months' time? Where's the money coming tomorrow to feed my children? All these stresses. And suddenly you come from this level kind of, okay, I'm okay, to I'm stressed. And then it's not far to go to I'm distressed. Now, guess what is happening with your teenager? Exactly the same. And now you've got two distressed people. And that's bloody difficult. So bottom line is, I think that the learning curve, that path never, ever changes. So this is not, you don't arrive anywhere at a destination. You can say for a moment in time on this path, I'm actually lucky that the world is taking a bit of a breather and right now I'm okay. Make the most out of this beautiful day. Okay, that's all I can say. Right, tomorrow, right. tomorrow there's a new challenge there. So <laughs> we're in five well, minutes. <laughs> I, I know too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so no, it is, and that's a fact. You can't negotiate that away. You can't wish it away. The only thing you can do is try to prepare yourself, try to adapt, try to learn those techniques that are suiting you well. Mm-hmm. Yes, a glass of wine might be a nice thing with friends, but if you need a bottle of wine before the children come home from school, hello, we need to talk, okay? Something like that. This is right. this is probably not the way you want to handle your stress. So that's where the look at the nutrition comes in. That's where the look at your mindfulness comes in, that those techniques like relaxation, like the yoga, like doing the physical exercise, all these kind of things. And that's not only talking about you, mommy and daddy, okay? That is you look after yourself. And only then can you look after others. When you're in the airplane and there's something happening, put the oxygen on yourself, then help others. So please help yourself today. Make right now, make a little mental note, okay, what will I do to help myself today, right now, once this interview is finished? And then that would be a good start to actually start helping your children, helping your teenagers. I think that's the biggest thing. Start with yourself. Absolutely. And what we have to do is if we go back to look at parenting a teenager as a job, 
you wouldn't show up to your job with all of this out of control emotion. I mean, you're feeling it because it's, so, it's such a different relationship. But what we can do is do our best to depersonalize this. Now that's impossible, but when you can take space and then pull yourself together that way and then think, okay, they're going to say some stuff to me. That's going to, you know, it's going to put me off and I'm going to be upset. But if you go in with a plan and you go in thinking, okay, when they say this, that's not, I'm going to sift through that, that I'm going to let go. This I will absolutely not tolerate. And I will address it. I'm willing to fight about this. Um, that goes back to your values and belief systems. Hmm. But we also have to realize that our teens are going to use a tone of voice that are going to piss us off. They're going to, and I'm not saying it's okay. It depends on the situation, to be honest, it, it can vary. But if you just, every time they use that tone and you tell yourself, they hate me, I'm a terrible parent, I feel guilty. If you can shift that and just think of what is the underlying problem and how can I help them build the skills to stand with them which is probably against the, it's between the two of us communication. How can I help them build skills to make this better so mm. that they can have some autonomy? Eventually that that's what they need, but mm. they know I've, I got their back. It's really difficult because we, we are connected and we love them and we feel like they hate us. Mm. And sometimes they say it, they never mean it. Well, I won't say never, I won't say never because there's a lot of trauma going on out there in the world. And sometimes they might mm. actually mean that they might feel that, mm. uh, but that's a different one. We got to understand if you can show up to them, like you might show up to a coworker, it might help you, you know, stay calm, stay in that calm place. That's so hard, mm. but it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> and you will not get it right. hundred percent. Okay. Nope. There will be okay. days when you completely stuff up okay. and it is, and you know what, make that a lesson as well make that a a thing for them to see because it's absolutely normal to fuck up it's absolutely yeah. normal and what you need to do is own it own it extreme ownership you have made a mistake don't get angry about it maybe a little bit but you know just so that the mental scar is really then there uh but then say look i really stuffed up there uh, the way i talked back to you I should have I should have had my emotions better and thing, you know. I reflected on that, and, or, and if you don't like words like reflection, that sounds so psychological. You can think, well, I thought about it, and I must say, I guess I was quite quite hungry. I I was uh, starving, and and I was uh, I didn't look after myself, and therefore I I was so aggressive to you. I'm sorry for that. The sheer fact that you say that, that you spell it out. What had occurred there is showing leadership, is showing love, is showing insight. And that is what all that is what they want, what they need. So to actually, for me, the biggest thing that I learned was to accept that I make mistakes and spell that out and show them that you can live your life in this way and that mistakes are good, that you learn from them regardless where you make them, if that is in your job, if that is in your, in your passion, in your hobby, or if that is in, in a relationship, you will make mistakes and learn from them and work, with, work together and, and see where that goes. Yeah, I think that staying connected and working together is really important. Um, and also knowing when it's time to take some space because we do our best work, right? When we're out of the cyclone, we're out, when we're not in it, 
that's when we can really pull ourselves together and, and reflect. And it's also important to realize that we should never be doing this in isolation. We have to parent with each other. We have to parent in a support system. I don't know what's happened in society. I've read some really good books about it, but I think it's bullshit. There is no way that parents, especially mothers, because mothers feel this a lot, there's so much guilt and pain and shame of parenting and doing it by yourself. They're no longer, and if this pandemic has taught me anything, it's to realize that we need this social shift and we need that belief system to change. And virtually we can all reach out to each other, join those support groups. There are many support groups on for parents of teens, many join them because other parents have these same problems. So what you're doing is actually happening elsewhere and nobody is the perfect parent here. Everybody who puts those pictures up on Facebook who seems that they have the perfect parent, no. There are other things happening because it's such a unique stage of life yeah. and we're all human beings and we're yeah. all going to mess up. So we have to come together and do it together and, and grieve together. Cause it's sometimes there's a lot of grief, but also heal together. So it's, that is such a big message too. I hope your I hope your listeners can understand that. 100% true. 100% true. It is, it's just hard. Uh, it's hard to deal with your own emotions the own emotions, your own limbic system uh, is often skewed and it's so affected by your own traumas, by your own past, by your own PTSD, anxiety, depression, by your own addictions. It is it's a mess. Most of us are a mess uh, deep inside there. So it is, it's beautiful to actually hear someone speaking up. And I guess to take the example of sobriety and recovery, it is a huge eye-opener for an addict when they walk, walk the first time into rehab or into an AA meeting or other meetings where people open up and, and talk about their own problems. And you think, whoa, he did what? Whoa, she did what? And you suddenly realize, that you're not alone, the guilt and the shame that you have mentioned there, to actually have this realization that all the others have got their same, or have similar skeletons in their cupboards is so beautiful. It's so releasing and, and you, you can finally say, wow, I'm not so bad after all. Yes, I've done some, maybe not things that I'm so proud of, but, uh, it's interesting, everyone else struggles. And for me, the biggest thing is the, to actually see that these same struggles transcend society. They go to everyone. It doesn't matter if it is a multimillionaire, uh, which you are very rather, rather envious about, or who you are envious about, or, or if it is uh, someone who is struggling to make ends meet. Guess what? We're all struggling with the same insecurities deep inside, with the same the same feelings emotions and, and often distress mm -hmm. man let's bring that out let's come together i mean how do you see the role of the schools here you are i mean obviously you have got this insight what do your colleagues say in the teaching community do they catch on to that to your to your thinking do or do they think oh you're way out there come on they need structure they need if you could just go back and slap them a bit and and get them right uh what are sort of the, the attitudes out there that must be a spread of opinion just as much isn't it 
there are opinions, but they do keep coming back to the same things. I will tell you, I've, I've been teaching for over 15 years and we have seen the decline in resilience. And that is a common theme among teachers. And we know that students need more support than ever. There's so much anxiety showing up. There's a lot of overwhelm. Uh, this social media, I know you hear it all the time. It is absolutely insane what it does to a teenager. I mean, you could do an entire month series on this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and what it does is it makes them have to be accountable to other people instantly, instantly. And so I'm not sure if it's changing grades. I'm sure in, in a couple of decades, we're going to see something there with some brain science around what social media does to the brain with adolescents, but they, they have to be accountable to so many people. Mm. And so I'm not going to compare if anxiety is more anxiety now than in the past. It's just a whole different stage of the game here. But they absolutely, we all agree that they're at least manifesting as so much anxiety. There's so much anxiety and they're not able to manage it themselves well. And I know that that was difficult um, for a lot of us adolescents, but I think in, in the past, we had more grit, we had more resilience because we just had to. We were kind of thrown into the wolves mm. and then we just had to deal with some things on our own. I mean, my husband and I were sitting at the uh, playground yesterday with our seven and our 10 year old. And we were like, how many times did our parents sit on the bench and watch our kids play? And how many times do we actually sit? And then because you're there, you actually will say, I don't anymore. I've learned. Are you kidding me? I, my, the kids, there's enough social pressure that if my son is seven years old, climbing up the wrong way on the slide, I'm not saying anything anymore. The other kids will, right? I've learned. But how many times we are just infiltrating their lives and they didn't have to figure much out. They don't have to figure out too much on their own. So there's a lot. So going back to your original thought here, we are seeing that kids are um, not as resilient and not managing their time. Uh, as well as they should, but they, they need so much of our support and we love them. That's why we're in education. We want to support them. So the school of thought is they absolutely need more resiliency, but we should, and this is my opinion, a lot of us, we should be teaching them more about this brain science that we're learning. And not only to, to teenagers themselves, and by the way, younger adolescents, it's to other educators, and to the parents, I completely agree with the triangulation approach. I don't mean just teachers, I mean caretaking staff, I mean mm -hmm. school secretaries or reception that's there, anybody that's involved. Yeah. So you're you're hearing me here with some passion here because I, look, we are, we are spending so much time with kids in society. We are the most significant secondary agents of socialization for our kids across the board globally. And we need, to learn more about how to support them. Yeah, and that's beautiful. It's so beautiful to hear, but it's it's a strange thing, certainly in in the schools that I went to. Sorry, that that I went to as a parent. So my children went through through different schools, and there was there was only in some schools there was the feeling of a partnership, an active partnership between the school and the parents, whilst in other schools, it was far more, okay, we dumped the kids, you sort the kids out, they come back, oh, they're not right, what did you do at school? And you get this kind of attitude of parents that, that sort of uh, think, yeah, okay, whatever problems they are, that's a problem of the school, they need to fix it. Um, is there, are there actually, in your school, do you have active collaboration with the parents? Do Absolutely. you? 
Yes, and absolutely. Um, I think especially our school, I mean, we have a fantastic staff and our school board's great about the mental health. Like we're trying so hard. Elementary teachers, elementary school, we're all trying so hard. Um, yeah, but we absolutely collaborate. And then we have a we have a school social worker too. We have a school nurse. Everybody's like there's a whole team working beautiful, on it. Beautiful, beautiful. How yeah, big is how big is your school? Ours is about 800 students. Right. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. But I mean, I would say the same about the elementary. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to work hard to support mm-hmm. our students. We yeah. all are. We're all trying so hard. But you're right. There's some it, it really goes back to leadership. I mean, if they're not, mm-hmm. that's a leadership issue, in my opinion. Very good point. Very good point. And it's something, yeah, God, how do you deal with that? Because you've got such a such a spread of 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 personalities out there and everyone thinks that they are doing it right and that they are better than the others. So there's so much in our society which needs to be addressed to start up with. When I say our society, I don't think there's much difference. Ultimately, uh, in in many of the countries, uh, there might be different religions, there might be different thoughts, belief systems, but ultimately, I think the problems are transcending all that. Uh, I think the teenager is a teenager is a teenager. It doesn't matter what he wears uh, or she wears, and it is, it is what it is. Yeah. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. We could talk. And I, I've got a feeling I need to get you back, Charlie, here. We need to, to explore other things, for example, the social media, because it is, it is so hard to, for us parents to deal with that. And it's not just the social media, the new way of our children, our adolescents, making friends, making friends through play platforms uh they are playing their whatever uh teen fortress or whatever games they are playing uh and initially i was actually quite upset about it until i realized that this is a way how they are making friendships and it's just bizarre it is something that that was never there for for me when i was young there was no internet now there is this new way of my children communicating. If I say, oh, how are your friends? Oh, yeah, they're good, they're good. And I need to specialize, I uh, need to, to, to be quite clear. No, no, I mean now your friends in the United States, in Minnesota, the guys with which you are playing, how are they holding out? Not the guys here in Tauranga with whom you were doing X. So there's different friendship circles suddenly building up. And they are actually quite lovely ways of communicating just as much as 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 we are here having a really good chat and 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 finding i guess a common ground here of we that internet has that allowed that to us well the gaming to a certain degree allows the same to our children so what's your take on gaming what's your take on 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 a teenager sitting there six hours at night and gaming away I honestly think it depends on the teen and how they're functioning and normal life because right now it's different. I, I think everyone has flipped. So that's a whole nother thing because a lot of the teenagers are staying up a lot later and they're all connected mm-hmm. and they're doing mm-hmm. their events there at home. Right. Sure. Um, but that, that's a whole nother thing because then they have to be accountable. They have to have structure. I, I don't, I think they absolutely need a break. And I think some teenagers are more susceptible to an obsession to the video games. And when that is is obvious, then we need to step in and do something about it. And I actually think that needs to happen way sooner. I think 
I, and I've, I've flipped my opinion about this, but I think we need to have a lot more control over their social media and their engagement online. And the reason I believe that is because I told you, I have a 17, 10 and seven year old and I'm seeing different things with my seven and 10 year old that my 17 year old, that 10 year gap, I've seen a shift in society. And I think that we need to have more control over it early so that we can step in and teach them along the way. Mm. Um, because there's going to be a point where we don't have any control over it anymore. Mm. Mm. And they need to be able to make good decisions for themselves. But there's a lot of obsessive behaviors that mm. we need to manage. Mm. We need to be careful. So I think it just depends on the teenager. Um, if they're managing their lives and there's some things we don't agree with, and as long as it's not unhealthy, um, some of that we can maybe be a little bit more forgiving on. But again, it depends on what it is and the teen and what they're playing. Are they having aggressive behaviors? I don't, uh, research doesn't, it shows that there's some aggression in younger kids when they're playing those aggressive games. Um, when they're older as teens, it's actually showing a lot more strategy building and mm. team teamwork, which there's some positives there. Exactly. Right. So there's a lot, that's a whole nother episode I'm telling you. There's a mm. lot. And I'm not necessarily an expert in it, but these are the things mm. that I understand at this point. No, perfect. And, and that's so lovely to hear because you're, you're humble enough to admit that, damn, I here I am as a teacher, as a passionate woman, I want to learn. I'm, I'm putting, you know, 10 times as much time into learning that compared with the average parent. And even you are still struggling. And I guess we all need to take a bit of a, of a, of a, of, a good feeling out of that because <laughs> it, it is a conundrum and this conundrum will not go away it is nope. i i meant to find that beautiful quote um from well <laughs> i won't give away from what it is but it's along the lines of look at look look at this next generation look at these teenagers how they behave how they dress they eat with an open mouth my god their language it is disgusting and you think, yeah, great, it's a normal, normal parent. And if you look at it, it was written 3,000 years ago by, by Homer or one of these guys, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you think, oh, come on, okay, nothing much has changed, has it? Because every generation has got new challenges. And every generation, regardless of generation, every young person growing up will try to spread their wings. And that is part of them growing up. And spreading the wings means inevitably stepping on our toes. And they, they are changing. And it, they're changing sometimes so quick, so literally that the clock ticks 12, and something happened. What, what, what's going on now? My child, where's my child gone? Who are you? Um, and it is, it is what it is, guys. So it is, it is a journey. It's a bloody roller coaster, and it can be a rather scary roller coaster, but you're on it. You can't jump off it. Uh, that doesn't work. So you yeah. might as well enjoy the ride as much as you can, uh, yeah. scary or not. And I you want to. Sometimes you want to. And that means you just need those patterns are showing up too much. It's getting overwhelming. Find a way to escape it a little bit so that mm. you can come back refreshed. And don't forget. Don't forget. I mean, think about all these good things that these teenagers do. They're funny. They're unique. You know, they're silly. It just. <laughs> Try to remember the good things that they're giving to you in life and uh, try not to just wish for five years ahead. of. Just try to enjoy the moment. And if it's too overwhelming, walk away, come back. There's indeed. so much. I know there's a lot. It's too simplified, but they're good people. I love them. So true. 
So true. And just in a preamble, before we, we started a recording here, I had admitted to Charlie that had we done this interview six months ago or 12 months ago, it would have had a very different tone. It would have been very more frustrated on my behalf, angry on my behalf. But I've had in this journey since I started my my interviews here since I started my channel, I had the pleasure of talking to other people like you, Charlie, who try to understand. And in turn, I took on some of the lessons there. And I think shutting up and trying to listen was the biggest thing. And with that already in six months, seven months, my relationship with my teenagers has changed quite a bit, to very much to the positive. But it was not that they changed. They changed maybe 10%, 90% I changed. And I think that is a, such an important bit. So guys, it is up to you how your relationship is with your teenager. Yes, at the moment it might be awful, but maybe there is some hope. And uh, if there's one thing you walk away with from that interview is that not just maybe actually there is hope, there are ways how to move forward and once you have moved forward you're a better person you're a better parent you're a better mummy you're a better daddy you're better as a husband and wife because the the lessons of communication the lessons of frustrations etc that you're now dealing with well guess what the same things will happen in your in your partnership in in uh with your with your spouse it might happen with a difficult co-worker and vice versa, if you learn how to deal with difficult co-workers at work, there are courses that you can go on. Well, fair enough, maybe that might be skills that you could also apply to your teenager. There's a lot of cross-pollination. So, And the good news is there is so much that you can learn. And nowadays there are so many means that you can go about that. So Charlie, if, if people want to work with you and want to learn more how you can enrich um, the relationships of parents and teenagers. How can they go about it? How do they find you? Yeah, so I have a website called humanityspeaker.com and I offer a course that you can walk yourself through. You can dive in at your own pace. And I also offer a four-week series where you can be live with me and a small group of other parents of teenagers. Mm. So I give you these this information, but what's great is it's very intimate and interactive. And so we can relate back to your own situation. Yeah. So we talk about the stressors of their lives. So we talk about that brain development. We really dive into that. Nice. So if you, it's helpful for anybody. And I, let me just say this too. This is so important. Um, anytime you can learn, it absolutely helps your situation because you're empowered, but you might be in a really tough situation with your teen right now. And there might be some really serious things happening. And you need to make sure you use your community to support you. And sometimes we feel failed by our community. So ultimately, make sure you can set boundaries and stick within those boundaries and have other people you can rely on to help you with that because it, it can be very straining. But don't give up on the team. There's always a reason for that underlying behavior. And I want you to learn a little bit more about trauma. It's the best thing I did in my career is learn yeah. about trauma because of their behaviors show up as trauma that's held in their body that they may not really have a lot of control over unless they get that dealt with. So seek professional help from a licensed therapist that can help you special who specializes in whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't do this alone. 
so true so true and the therapist guys is for you uh not for your teenager yes the teenager has got a trauma too but please look at your own trauma because that's what really triggers you that's why suddenly your own emotions are coming out so much and that's a hard pill to swallow okay and but you guys can do it there is hope trust me if if i can change the relationships of between my teenagers and me uh, i i'm not the most clever person i'm a, i'm a i'm a mess okay if i can do it you can do it okay let's be very clear about that so charlie thank you so much for coming onto my show if you guys out there if you want to know more about charlie just look into the description down there of the video and of the podcast you will find all the links to her there Charlie, it was such a fantastic talk. I'm um, honored to have you on my show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Truly, I appreciate any time we get to talk about this. Thanks so no, much. No trouble. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Life is too short, you know. And even if you had just the biggest row with your teenager, why don't you just go to that person and give him a big hug or her a big hug? And just don't say a word. Just give them a hug and show them love because that's really what this is all about. And that's what they really need. And that's what you need, okay? Look after yourself, guys. Bye.